I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Hostikundel, and I'm joined by Adam Elliott and the dar of All Stats Aren't We, Dan Holdsworth. Dan, how are you? I'm, I'm fine, thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> um, bleep, bleep, Tom, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, had a had a... Bit of a good weekend. My rugby team won at Wembley, so I've now seen my two local hometown teams win at Wembley in the same year. So that's that's good news. Um, yeah. How about you, Adam? Oh, I'm excellent, excellent. Um, and I ate before you ask. I had um, like tortellini pasta, and it was seven out of ten at best. Six point five out. What of tortellini were it? It was a spinach and ricotta one. Trying to be um, oh, good choice. Know, good choice. Yeah, it's a good one to be fair. It, it always does the trick. But what did you have tonight? Uh, I of course I had spag bol. Oh man! Oh right, uh, you're doing that every podcast now, are we? Yes. Is this, is this, <laughs> oh, right. Is this like uh, pasta trilogy? I had spaghetti tonight as well. So to, <laughs> oh, there think, we go. Yeah, they, uh, we had uh, like a vegetarian, homemade vegetarian kind of spaghetti. Really good, actually. It was really nice. Like roasted pota- uh, potatoes, roasted tomatoes, and, um, and peppers and onions and some homemade garlic bread as well, which was really good. Delicious. Oh, I do love yeah. do love some homemade garlic yeah, bread. Yeah. So yeah. Um, if you're wondering where the news is, we don't record this anywhere near the day that it comes out for those who aren't Patreon listeners, and the news is on the review, which is out on Monday. Um, so we're actually here today to preview the West Bromwich Albion game, and we have something special. Uh, making a return is the opposition analysis interview. So long-term listeners will remember that this used to be a regular feature, and we're absolutely delighted to be able to bring it back. Um, so what we'll do is we'll play the interview and then we'll come back to discuss it. And so this week for the West Brom game, Dan spoke to Pete from Albion Analysis and here it is. Hello and I'm joined here by Pete from the Albion Analytics Twitter account. Um, how are we doing Pete? Yeah, very good, especially after um, the recent result against Swansea. Yeah, but that was relief for you after the uh, mixed start. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously we lost to Blackburn first game of the season um, and then got knocked out of the cup by Stoke so it was nice to, to finally get a win under the belt 
big relief, eh? Yeah. So, so for Leeds fans, it's been a couple of years since Leeds and West Brom have played each other and come across each other. Uh, kind of generally aware there's a bit of turmoil off the field at uh, West Brom with the ownership and the ownership taking money out of the club and loans. Uh, it's all a bit confusing to, to Leeds fans who haven't really followed the story. Could you give us a bit of an overview of what the state of the club is at the moment in terms of ownership and financial situation? Yep. So we're in a complete mess behind the scenes. Um, we've got an owner that well, no one's really sure who the exact owner is. There's lots of different um, businesses and parties with um, interest in the club from China. Um, it's fronted by Gochan Lai, um, and he's well. The ownership has um, they've taken loans out from the club just for personal use on other business ventures. Um, I think it's about I think it's about ten million, twelve million that they've taken out. Um, they missed repayment dates um, around about the end of the year last year and then again they said it was going to be repaid early into the new year and it was never repaid and then shortly after that we also took out a I think it was a 20 million pound loan from MSD so the I think it's pretty standard company to use for football clubs taking out loans I think Derby did um, yeah. but obviously that's on really high interest rates mm. um, and that's just to cover like the day-to-day spending of the club like wages and, and staff and um, that sort of stuff so then we've also got to sell a lot of players um, you know parachute payments have finished this season we only got two two yeah. sets um, so yeah I think that's where that £20 million is going to, to fill that hole but it also means that we're selling some of our best players um, and maybe not for the fees that we'd want to because everyone knows that we're, we're desperate for cash Right okay so is there a takeover or is there a, a hope on the horizon that someone's there to step in and help the club move forward? Well not at the minute um, No, there's been a uh, a group set up by fans called Action for Albion and they're doing really really good work in just kind of highlighting the issues and pushing it through the media um, I think we've had media attention from various um, reporters and Sky News and um, I think it's even been pushed in um, pushed through Parliament and stuff and they've been I think I know they've been to visit the Prime Minister and I think the local um, MP has been doing a lot of work for that as well so it's they're really gathering momentum um, and we do desperately need a change of ownership, but it doesn't seem like there's any anything on the horizon at the minute. Yeah, well, well, fingers crossed that that, that that situation improves for you. So moving on to football, um, I mean, as you, as you hinted at before, it's been a mixed start to the season for Albion. You had a loss on opening day at Blackburn and defeating the League Cup to Stoke midweek, but you got a good win against Swansea yesterday. Um, I've not really been able to watch West Brom beyond the highlight packages. Um, how would you say they're playing this season so far? Yeah, I think we've been playing okay. Um, there's a lot of changes from last season into how we're looking to play. So I think we're still trying to learn and adapt to the new style. Um, <clears throat> I think some of the play's been really promising. Like when we're, we've had combinations, when we're trying to play quickly, um, and we look really, really smooth in them at times. Um, but at the same time, we can also look really slow and too relaxed on the ball. And in, well, in the Blackburn game and the Stoke game, we, we, gifted the opposition goals just from being too slow or too sloppy on the ball um, and having our pockets picked or just giving away possession. In terms of the Swansea game, that was a bit more... It was just kind of a game of set pieces. Um, neither side yeah. really created much from open play. I think we looked a lot more solid defensively than we had done previously, but still didn't have too much too much threat going forward in open play. Um, so it's, it was a case of who can who could come out on top just from corners and long throws, to be honest. Right, OK. So I was looking at the underlying numbers of your two league games, and according to FB Ref, uh, it looks like you've been out XG'd by your opponents, not by a lot. Uh, although, it has to be said, a different provider yesterday showed you generated more than Swansea. 
But generally speaking, it looks like you're in quite tight games so far this season, or fairly even games. Um, how would you say generally chance creation is and, and chance prevention is going at West Brom? Um, I think in terms of the Blackburn game, um, I've not, not actually got the numbers to hand, but I'd imagine they their actually was a fair bit higher than ours. Um, and rightfully so, I think they did deserve to win that. Right. I mean, in the second half, they generated, they had like three three big chances, one-on-ones, that they somehow managed to miss all three. Right. Um, but then maybe our XG didn't do us justice because we should have created more chances. We'd done like the, the hard work before the chance, but then we, we'd make the wrong decision in, in the pass or shooting or whatever we're going to do afterwards. So it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't register as a shot or any XG yeah. created. So I think that was kind of the situation in the Blackbird game. And in the Swansea game, like I say, it was, that was all just set pieces. Um, I've got here the, the total, there was a total of 3.14 XG created. That's for both yeah. sides. And 2.57 of it came from set pieces or, or there was a penalty as well. So, yeah. yeah, it wasn't much in terms of creating chances in open play. Um, so, so far this season, we've, you could probably say that we've, we've struggled with that in the first two games. Um, but I can't imagine we'll, we will struggle with it for the whole season. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a great sample size to, to judge it on yet, but. No, no. Yeah, there's potentially some issues there. Okay, so, so where do you think you'll end up this season? How do you think the season's going to play out? Well, like I said, I don't think oh, this chance creation will struggle. We'll struggle with it yeah. for the whole season. So, and I think it does completely depend on if Corbrand stays. Because um, I think if he does, then we could be fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the season. Um, but if he doesn't last the whole season, then I think you know we could be anywhere in the middle of the table. So anywhere from eighth to eighteenth, really. Um, I think the starting eleven is quite strong, um, but then we don't have much squad depth, which is potentially where the issues will come. And then, as we've already discussed, as the uh, issue of the ownership and the mess behind the scenes so if that filters through to performances on the pitch as well then it, it's certainly not going to help yeah i know i know how that one feels we've got a good 11 but yeah depth is, is nowhere <laughs> so so yeah leeds fans know plenty about carlos colbron and uh, how do you feel about him as a manager in general i love him i think most albion fans would probably consider him to be our most valuable asset at the minute um, yeah. ahead of any of our players when he took over last season, we were in 23rd after 16 games and three points from safety. That was after um, Steve Bruce led us into the season, and then we finished we finished the season three points from the playoff spots. Um, so that's you know quite a turnaround, and that's despite having a lot of injuries to to important players towards the the end of the season as well. So um, I think he's just he's extremely passionate on the sideline, um, but he's not just kind. He doesn't just shout and scream at players. You know, when he's interviewed, he seems so thoughtful with everything he does and um you know you can tell that he really studies the game and and the styles of teams of you know some of the best teams in the country and you can quite often see features of their their style in in the way that we play as well so yeah um yeah on the whole he's you know he's a world apart from from our previous manager i can imagine yeah absolutely so let's talk about the tactics of uh, colbrand and how would you describe his basic approach uh, to people who haven't watched his West Brom team much. Uh, so this season we've been seems like we're playing a lot of the game in like individual battles. So right. leaving players one v one against each other, um, whether that being in the rest defence um, when we're going forwards, or trying to create a situation where our striker is one v one against the centre back. Um, so I think it's something similar to to what Brighton and Man City have been doing recently, yeah. to where we kind of invite the pressure onto us in the early stages of build up and. Um, and bring opposition players up the pitch to press us and then we can kind of create a situation where especially against Blackburn when he played Brandon Thomas-Sante mm. he was isolated against centre-back and then we could go very direct into him and just kind of let him battle that 
that one-on-one battle and see if he can come out on top of the centre-back and then we can move forward quickly as a team afterwards if, if he does win that individual duel. Um, so we also like to press high um, and then we're very direct once we've won the ball back and try and create chances there. Um, in terms of defence, we would usually drop into into a 4-4-2 um, and at times pressing high but not just kind of crazy pressing where we're just doing it for the whole 90 minutes. Um, our fullbacks usually play quite wide in defence um, and follow the wingers out to the to the touchline and then yeah. our, our wide midfielders will tend to tuck inside then and fill that gap between the, the fullback and the centre-back. Um, we have looked quite open to counter-attacks um, probably because, like I say, we've been leaving ourselves 1v1 against players and then especially when we've played Yukuzlu and Chalaber as our two deeper midfielders they're not very quick to, to get back so if teams break on us quickly we can look quite open um, but saying all that we did set up in a 3-4-3 against Swansea so that was a bit, a bit of a surprise um, but the general shape going forward and the tactics were, were pretty similar to the 4-2-3-1 the that we usually play so um, yeah there wasn't too much change despite the, the change in, in formation Fair enough. In, in terms of the press, is it like a, a man-for-man type press? Is it you know like a Bielsa in man-to-man press, or would you say it's more of a situational thing, or depending on uh, on how the opposition approach you? I think it's um I think it tends to be a bit of a mixture. To be honest, um we do tend to try and force teams wide to the um, touchline and and then kind of start the press from there. Um, yeah, and shut off options and and press from both both sides as well. So for example, if the strikers force the the centre back to play wide, then he'll also go to the fullback from kind of behind the fullback and yeah. kind of squeeze him from there. So sort of using the touchline as the additional defender kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Just to limit the yeah, yeah. the options um, with the touchline as well. So yeah, I think we've been quite successful in, when we have been pressing. And um, I did look after the Blackburn game, and it's only the first game of the season. But on Opta Analyst, I think we had the most um, most shots created from high turnovers. But Right. Yeah. You know, okay. Like I say, it's small sample size. Okay. So um, under Fark at Leeds, we're a team that you know like to dominate the ball and squeeze the opposition up the pitch. Do you think this would suit West Brom as, as an opposition approach? Uh, potentially, because I think we, I think both games this season we've had less of the ball than the opposition in terms of possession yeah. stats, um, and we do seem quite comfortable adapting to teams that do want to control the ball. Um, so uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw. Albin letting Leeds have most of the ball and dominate possession, yeah. um, but then try and be very clinical and, and very direct when we do win the ball back and create chances through through the transitions and, and counter-attacks. Um, and, I mean, last season defensively, we were really, really good under Corbran at home. Um, I think yeah. we went nine home games without conceding, so we can be very solid defensively, but our away form has not been anywhere near what our home form was and we have struggled on the road so that's something that worries me a little bit okay fair enough in terms of transfer activity you've brought in Josh Madger and Jeremy Sarmiento I think that is his name they were kind of eye-catching arrivals um how have they gone so far for you uh, yeah so I mean we've not seen too much of either of them yet um but I, when I saw that we'd signed both um I was very excited by both yeah um Especially Sarmiento. From what I've heard, we've I've spoken to quite a few Blackburn, uh, not Blackburn, sorry, Brighton fans, um, yeah. and yeah, they've been extremely complimentary about him. Um, they've been saying that he should be one of the best players in the league in the Championship. Um, yeah. You know, he was breaking through to the Brighton first team yeah. um, last season until he until he suffered an injury. Um, yeah, we've not seen too much of him, but when he's come off the bench, he's looked 
really really strong carrying the ball. Um, he rides challenges really well, so he seems really difficult to to shake off the ball um, and looks threatening when he's when he's got space to drive into. But the issues that we've seen with him so far are that his decision making seems a bit poor, um, especially against Blackburn. He had chances to to kind of play teammates through or drive into space, but probably made the wrong decision um, and was a bit predictable that he continually just when he had the chance he was cutting in on his right foot even when um, defenders kind of were shaping up to let him they wanted him to to go down the go down the line um, and he had space to do that but he just kept cutting in uh, so there was that and then there's the fact that he has looked a bit naive defensively just jumping into challenges and yeah. maybe not getting back as fast as he should have done um, so I don't know if that's just potentially match fitness um, and hopefully those issues will get ironed out the more game time that he gets and the more that he settles into the team. Um, and Josh Madras, again, we've not really seen much of him. We've only seen 10 minutes of him off the bench against against Swansea. But his data from pre- previous seasons was really promising to me when I looked into it. He seems to always get um, registered quite a high XG um, yeah. and with shots from dangerous areas as well. So hopefully he can come in and you know continually, continually get those... Um, High value chances, and you know when we've got people like Jed Wallace out wide and and John Swift creating chances, you'd expect him to score a few goals as well. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about both of them. Cool. So in terms of outgoings, Darrow Shea was probably the most notable sale you've made. Um, player I like actually when I've seen. How much of a loss is he to the team? Well, Darrow was comfortably our best centre back last season. Um, you know he was vital in in how we built up um, from deeper areas. Everything we kind of go through him, he seemed to just settle into what Corran was asking him to do perfectly, and just understood it straight straight away. Um, again, there was similarities in what Brighton have been doing. You know where they um, centre backs would step on the ball to invite the pressure. Dara was doing that, and and just picking his moments and picking his passes really well to to then play around that pressure. Um, so I think yeah, he's going to be a massive loss because none of our other centre backs seem to have the ball playing capabilities to to play like Dara did last season so I think instead of just trying to you know fill the gap of Dara we've instead tried to adapt the way that we play as a team um because as I say we didn't really have the the personnel to just you know slot somebody into into the role that that Dara was a, was playing so I think we've kind of adapted the the whole style to to you know um to, to compensate for it yeah just in terms of the transfer window itself, um, is there much more noise about incomings and outgoings between now and the end of the window? Do you expect to be a lot of activity? Well, I think that I think Corbrand said that he wants another another striker in. Um, right. We've currently only got uh, Brandon Tom. Well, maybe not Brandon Thomas Sante because he was injured for the Swansea game. But assuming the injury isn't too bad, we've only got him and, and Josh Madra as senior strikers. Um, Darrell DK's out injured until sometime in the early winter, I think. Right. Um, and we just can't seem to keep him fit. But yeah, I, th- I mean, there was rumours that we were being linked with. Um, Got his name, a striker that was at Cardiff last season um, from Mitchelland. Um, right, Caber, I think his name is. And, right, okay. But they seem to have gone quite recently. Um, I think we'll see potentially see a couple of outgoings before we see any any incomings. Um, Grady Diangana is being linked away, and I think Leeds are one of the sides that he's being linked with. Um, All right, okay. I've not heard that one, but okay. Um, oh, maybe not then, <laughs> but that's what we're hearing on the Alvin end of things. Um, and Josh Griffiths, our England under-21 goalkeeper, 
um, is also being linked away potentially with a move to Newcastle. But I think they're kind of moves just to, to generate a little bit of cash um, and then maybe we'll see a few incomings after that. All right, okay. So in terms of the players... Who are the players that have been most important for you this season so far, and who do you expect to be really important for the coming, you know, for the rest of the season? Uh, well, Jason Malumbi for one. Um, yeah, you know, he's just he's another player like Dara who's just been brilliant since Corbran came in. He seems to be so versatile, and, and Corbran's used him in a variety of roles. Um, last season, he was playing as like a probably as a number eight, but he would always be rotating with our, our fullbacks and our wingers, so he'd spend most of the time out on the touchline when we've got the ball. Um, but then against Blackburn, we played him as a ten, and so he's yeah, he just seems to settle into to any role that Corvan gives him. He's not the best technically in terms of being able to pass the ball. He's quite a good ball carrier, but yeah, um, you know, he's just full of energy. So he'll be up and down the pitch all game, and I think Corbran loves the energy that he, he does have, um, and that's why he can use him such a variety of, of ways to either you know being running down the wing or against Blackburn, he was kind of running in behind the the Blackburn defence and stretching them like that um, if he plays a little deeper then you can still expect him to, to arrive late into the box and, and get a couple of chances a season from doing that so I think he's going to be a really important player for the whole season um, if we can keep him um, and then Matt Phillips is another one who's just a bit he's a bit of a strange one because he seems to be such a, a player that just relies on confidence so much sometimes he can be absolutely terrific for five ten games and then other other times he goes through these periods where he's just he doesn't seem like he's in the game at all. Um, he seems slow. His decision making seems slow, and it's just like it's not going his way. But at the minute, he seems to be high on confidence, um, and he's looking really impressive. He's looking fit. Um, he's confident when he's got the ball. He's taking on players. He's getting shots off, um, and he's also puts in a huge amount of work defensively from from the left wing position as well. Which um, yeah, is something that I think Corbran rates really highly and is, is what he asks for from his wingers. I remember Matt Phillips actually destroying Leeds in Bielsa's first season, eighteen nineteen. So, you know, that <laughs> you might be bringing back PTSD for me there. Um, okay. So, um, so how do you feel about coming up against the Leeds side here? We're going through a bit of a transition at the moment, a bit of a bad sticky spell. Do you think it's a good time to play us? Well, yeah, I think, to be honest, it's probably the perfect time to, yeah. to play you because, well, there's the, the transition. Um, but from what I've heard, you've got a few injuries, especially um, a few strikers. I think both Bamford and um, I can't remember his, his name. Ruter. Ruter. Yeah. Yeah. He came off the uh, bench yesterday, but yeah, he's been injured. Yeah. Oh, he's got, okay. So he's he's on his way yeah. back, but um, yeah, there's that. And then, well, from what I've read, there's a few upsets behind the scenes as well with players that wanting to leave and etc. So yeah, that's right. I think yeah, this is probably the best time to play because when everything settles um, when you've moved on players that, that you don't want and, and spent that money to, to bring in other players then I struggle to see a situation where you've not got one of the strongest sides in the league um, and obviously you've got a really good manager in Daniel Farker as well so yeah I think obviously the best time to play is when everything's a bit up in the air and maybe you've not settled into the new style and you know there's a few things going on that might take the players focus away from the game a little bit because you know later on in the season I'd, yeah I don't think it'll be any easier than playing you now yeah okay do you have any um, injuries or suspensions ahead of the game well I briefly mentioned Brandon Thomas Asante um, he missed the Swansea game picked up a knock against Stoke um, but they've not really said on, on how serious it is um, so hopefully he'll be back in, t- in time for the 
the game on Friday. Um, because other than that, the only senior striker that we've got that is remotely fit is Josh Madger. And yeah. I don't think Corbran sees him as being match fit yet. Um, Grading Dean Garner is out injured. Uh, and so is Daryl DK. Um, so there's a couple there. Um, but I mean, with Grady, at least he probably wouldn't have been starting even if he was fit because Corbran just hasn't seemed to have favoured him um, since he came in. But not too many major injuries yet. It's just Brandon Thompson Sante that's the big worry. Okay. Would you like to hazard a guess at the lineup for the game? Well, the Swansea lineup made this a lot more difficult because previously under Corbran, I think we'd only played with a back four. Right. Um, so switching to a back three, you know, makes it a bit more unpredictable. Um, but I think we might revert to a back four because I believe you've been playing with a back four as well. I don't know if the yeah, yeah. the back three was just to match up Swansea. So my guess would be Alex Barmer in goal, Darnell Furlong um, in right back, Shemi Ajayi and Cedric Keeprez as two centre-backs, Connor, Town- Connor Townsend in left back, uh, Malumbi and Yukuzlu as the two, um, the two deeper midfielders, uh, Wallace, Swift and Matt Phillips as the, the three in behind the striker and then assuming Brandon Thomas Asante is fit I think he'll start up front um, if he's not fit then it, I would guess that Phillips moves into the striker and um, Jeremy Sarmiento comes in on the left wing Okay, uh, and where do you expect the game to be won or lost? I mean, give a prediction if you like but I'm more interested in how you feel the game will sort of play out I think again it might be just on individual battles and errors um, just because that's how we've we've been playing recently um, just kind of leaving players 1v1 with each other and and you know whoever comes out on top and in more of those indiv- individual battles um, will probably come out on top in the game um, you know if our striker can get get the best out of your centre back when they we create those 1v1 situations then um, we'll probably create chances um, but you know if your wingers can can get isolated against our fullbacks and take them on and beat them then um, more often than not then then the game could be yours um, I, I do think it could be quite a tight game and if we do play like that then I think it could be quite an exciting game as well because like I say you've got some, some very good players and to be honest I can see you dominating the ball um, like I said before but we'll probably just try and pick our moments to, to attack quickly and, and try and catch you when you're, you're not settled yeah, it should be a fun game. I'm, I'm, I do like a Friday night game under the lights, so that should, that's something to look forward to. So, Pete, uh, thanks for that. really appreciate you spending your time talking to us about West Brom. Uh, for our listeners, uh, where, where can we find your work on West Brom? Uh, so it's mostly just on, on Twitter. Um, my Twitter account is at analyticswba. Um, I forgot for a second then. And yeah. then we, I do a podcast with um, a friend, Chris Hall, um, who is the, the, he used to work at the Albion Um in right. the media team um, and that's called Albion Analysis um, you know you can find it on on Spotify um, Apple Music wherever you usually get your, your podcasts marvellous I'm on well thanks for speaking to us Pete and, and good luck on Friday no worries all the best for the rest of the season cheers mate hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, fantastic. So, Dan, that was a fantastic job uh, speaking to Pete. So let's now talk about some of the things that they discussed. So... It was mentioned that in possession, they can be quite direct and good in transition uh, and are best when they move the ball quickly. So how can we combat this? Uh, Dan, I'll go to you first. It's kind of all about the rest defence, isn't it? So I felt second half versus Cardiff, uh, Ampadu and Gray were kind of pretty dominant and and covered the kind of the wide spaces behind Ailing and and the left back as well, quite well. The ball recoveries were excellent and plentiful. So we're kind of looking for more of that, aren't we? Because that's that's how, how... uh, West Brom are likely to try and hurt us. So it's just really about getting that rest defence really right and getting the, I presume it'll be grey, but the, the, the eight in the double pivot to cover that kind of right back area and cover anything when he really bombs on. So that's that's the, that's the key thing, I think, uh, in this game. So yeah, it's just protecting Ailing, I think. Like I said, because I, you know, West Brom do attack well down the flanks, according to uh, according to Pete. You know, Jed Wallace and Phillips were mentioned on the podcast. They were obviously good players that we know well. So they could be a good problem. So yeah, it's rest defence all day long. Yeah, Adam, anything different? No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, it'd be really nice, as you like alluded to at the start, we are not up to date with the news. This pod comes out a little bit later, so it'd be nice if we had a couple of signings that might help with that sort of thing, but I'm not going to cross my fingers and hope that it's actually going to happen because I don't think it will. At the same time, I think there's a few things we could do differently. It's not just about the rest of defence, it's actually about the personnel within that. So like, uh, the structure needs to be good. Absolutely, Dan's right in saying that, but I think that someone like Cody Drame might be a good shout if he has any kind of like good fitness level to kind of deal with that a little bit. And we just don't have the kind of recovery pace that you need to deal with the, a lot of um, West Brom's attackers. That they're, they're quite direct, they're quite fast. Not all of them, but some of them are just really technically gifted. Like you look at Jed Wallace; he's just a superb player and and can beat players quite easily, even though he's not absolutely rapid. Um, so yeah, we we'll probably need the the right sort of personnel. Another thing I would say is maybe you need to use Ampadu and like a little bit more of a I guess reserved way and like maybe he needs to sit back a little bit more just to sort of cover that that possibility of, of them hitting us in transition so if one of our fullbacks goes forward maybe he needs to you know sit in and, and, and sort of keep things compact there and just give us enough bodies essentially to just deal with whatever they uh, throw our way I mean, I mean another way to handle that would be for I presume it's going to be Byram at uh, left back just for him to stay and, and, and make a situational back three when we're in possession mm-hmm. just just kind of you know be more cautious in that respect so you know have a back three with with a double pivot sort of protecting as our kind of our our, our holding five if you like once we're in possession you know rather than rather than letting Byron go forward too much or being very cautious about it anyway at least yeah yeah um, listening I was actually just very shocked that Matt Phillips is still about I feel like he's been around forever and then <laughs> it turns out he's, he's he's only 32 yeah um but yeah I think what you were saying there Dan regarding Byron um maybe this is a game where I think we discussed, or at least I definitely said it in one of the previous pods, that the left-back position might be a kind of horses for courses. So if he wants to go to that back three sort of thing, he might use Hjelde here. He yep. might choose to start him for that reason as well. 
Yeah, I think in terms of Hjelde, he's had a bit of an up and down time, but I think asking him to be almost almost an eight um, is quite difficult for his skill set. But if he's holding as a, as a wide left centre-back, that just suits his skill set miles better, I would say. Yep, and so on to, we mentioned there how we might shape, but Pete mentioned that they can play a high press, but when they drop deeper into a lower block, they will swap from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-4-2. So he does think they're more likely to allow us the ball and not try and press high. So do you think this approach works for us. Uh, Adam, I'll come to you first this time. I think if the right personnel are out for us, uh, essentially, without going into too much detail about Birmingham, I think our attacks were just not... It wasn't clicking at all, was it? We had a couple of good performances from the likes of Ampadu. I thought Gray was pretty good, but the attack just wasn't what it needed to be. Um, I think we can sustain attacks better if we have a striker that's actually going to pin um, or at least do a little bit more of that sort of stuff. So if you have a guy that can hold up the ball and stay on the last line a little bit more instead of like dropping deeper, there were times and you showed us a really funny screenshot, um, Hosty, of, of Gelhart just dropping so deep and just leaving this space, this huge... I, huge space in the defence that no one was even occupying and if we have that I think that'll help um, especially with like actually you know building the ball up and getting into the final third to actually you know start creating stuff but even then Dan James and Perveda I don't think they had the best games and I think having the right personnel in the final third is probably what's going to be the key here Um, in terms of like building the ball up and stuff like that I, I know West Brom are pretty happy for us to do that but I honestly don't think it like matters too much I don't think that that's going to impact us too badly um, and I do think that there's this possibility that um, it, it'll actually suit us to do that and especially if the rest events is right because if they attack us and we have that that sort of foundation that's stable then I'm not too worried um, I say that like we haven't got a really depleted squad today as we speak, but yeah, I'm hoping that by Friday it might be a bit clearer who's available and who's not, and and then I'll be a little bit more confident about actually playing the ball. If not, if it's the likes of Pervader and James, I probably would say to you that actually we should probably go more direct down the sides and, and kind of do what they do, play them at their own game, go in transition. But if we have the right players, I would definitely, definitely say that, that possession-based football is going to win this game for us. Dan, any, any addition to that or anything different? Not, not necessarily. No, I just, I just hope to see Pervader further wide. Uh, he was kind of playing like a ten, wasn't he, at the, at the weekend? Yeah. I'd rather just see him, even if it's just kind of like a narrow winger rather than a, a pure ten. I just think it suits his skill set. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to be kind of pinning West Brom back and expecting Pervader to kind of break them down as a ten. I just don't fancy that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't fancy watching that at all. <laughs> I'll stay home. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> So we're all in agreement that we don't want Jamie Shackleton playing right wing anymore. Nothing against Jamie Shackleton, but he's not a right winger. There's something against Jamie Shackleton there. He's just not a right winger, is he? At all. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he mentioned that Jason Malumbi is a key player for West Brom in midfield. Lots of energy, decent ball carrier, good at arriving late into the box. Could this final part of Malumbi's game cause us problems? So that's the old arriving late in the box for the cutback. Done. Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's, if they if they if they manage to stretch us in transition, then the likes of Wallace and and Phillips are gonna gonna stretch our defence, aren't they? And then yeah, Malumbi's the guy that's quite likely to to um, uh, take advantage of that. But I'm I'm kind of in a funny way. I'm less worried about Malumbi. Um, not that I don't think he's a good player. In the opposite, I do rate him as a good player. But um, I think Pete mentioned that he's he's not the best passer of the ball. He's just a ball carrier. And one thing I think Ampadu and Gray can handle is runners and duels and that kind of stuff. So I wonder if mm-hmm. it's something those two could actually handle Malumbi, even though I do think he's a good player. So, yeah, OK, there's going to be situations where he perhaps gets free and, and gets a cutback off somebody like, arriving late. But 
generally speaking, I fancy Ampadu and, and Gray to actually win that battle. Yeah, we talked about um, cutbacks a lot on this um, podcast since Farker's come in and, and how that might happen and, and, and being one of our sort of Achilles heels potentially. I agree with what Dan just said, but also I would say that I'm more worried about other players that have that ability to do that and, and crash the box. So like Jed Wallace will do it if the ball's on the other side, I think, and, and John Swift and both of those are really good ball strikers. Um, if they're arriving late in that sort of area, I, w- I would be pretty concerned for us, but... I guess we'll have to see like if they do get a transition moment where the ball's down one side and they've got runners towards the edge, then yeah, it, it could cause issues. And I do think some of our defenders sort of backwards defending isn't the best. I would say Charlie Cresswell's not particularly great at that. But like Dan said, Gray and Ampadu are two particular players that could probably deal with that quite well. So, you know, let's let's hope that, like, again, the rest defence is what it needs to be. Yep. And we mentioned a bit earlier that Matt Phillips is still kicking around and he's playing well at present. And he's a player who, as Dan mentioned, has caused Leeds problem in years gone by. So does he worry you now? Or is there anyone else that we've missed out, uh, Dan? Well, I mean, we've not really mentioned Swift a great deal. And it's it's not so much... It's just he's the guy who can pick out the wide runners, isn't he? Swift, Swift's the guy that's going to pick it up in midfield. So I think Phillips are, uh, uh, and Wallace in, on the flanks are obviously dangerous. But they're going to need to be fed the ball and quality ball, and Swift's the guy for that. So it's about it's about pinning Mullumby down. It's about pinning Swift down, isn't it? So it's a big job for Ampadu and Gray again. It's just that kind of central area, and and I hope Fark is, uh, Fark does something just just to help those guys. You know, and we don't get kind of swamped in that midfield, and we don't end up with a pair against a free and, and get overrun a little bit there. So that's the thing I would worry about. If we can limit Swift's impact on the game, I think it reduces the amount of ball that goes out to the the, the, the dangerous runners out wide. Yeah, and Adam, sound like you maybe agree there? Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, There's just one other thing I would add that there's a bit of a weapon in Corbrand's arsenal that he's used over the over the last few years at the clubs he's been at, which is set pieces. When you've got Jed Wallace and John Swift, you've got two that excellent players at delivering crosses into the box and delivering balls into the box. And then you think about some of the guys they've got. Matt Phillips is quite a strong, big lad, physical lad. But then you've got the likes of like Thomas Asante, um, Madger, their new signing. DK, who I really don't want to see, but I think he might possibly still be injured. Um, and then Ajayi and players like that. And, and they're really, really dominant. Kip, Kip Kipre, yeah, 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 he's another one as well. Really dominant aerially. And I, I definitely think it's a way to go for them. Um, and I, I am pretty worried about that. We're going to have to like watch out for that sort of thing around the box, just being really careful not to give away free kicks and things like that, because it, it is definitely something that they're probably going to excel in. And I know they scored at least one from the, uh, their game at the weekend against Swansea as well from a from a set piece. So yeah, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that maybe hasn't been mentioned yet. Yeah, I think it was a, I think it was actually a long throw as well was that set piece goal um, from Darnell Furlong. Yeah, he's no yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah. but we, he, do, he doesn't have his towels anymore, does he? The towels have been banned. So. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't dry yeah, him. You can't dry really well anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, given the weather today, I wouldn't I wouldn't put my house on it being dry on Friday night. No. But yeah, I think uh, Townsend is also a bit of a danger from left back, overlapping Phillips with Ailing at right back as well. Yep. I think that could cause us some issues, yep. um, which is what caused uh, I think did did West Brom have a penalty? Get a penalty from it, that as well uh, versus Swansea. against Swansea. Uh, tw- yeah, against Swansea. Yeah, trying to remember. Yeah, yeah. Swiss scored. Yeah, yeah, but then. We might get onto it a bit later, but then the two goals that Swansea scored were also from like set pieces and very bad defensively. 
Um, you just wrote, so you've been reading my it notes. Kind of came and goes. You've been reading my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think this is well. Movers will go into it now. They feel it's okay, but we've. I think they're dangerous from set pieces, but I think they're weak defending set pieces. I think Swansea showed that. So I wonder if they're quite static, big, powerful guys, but perhaps with some clever movement can be can be outmaneuvered. And I, actually, I think set pieces is something we're not too bad at. I think strike's pretty good in the air, isn't he? And I think mm. I think Rodon could be a weapon in that respect. Yeah, Rodon's good. Yeah, and Rodon's I think Cresswell's pretty good as well. So whichever centre back pairing we, we pick. We're fairly strong, so I agree that it's a danger of theirs, but I don't necessarily think it's a weakness of ours particularly, so it might be quite a good battle. Though. And I think that's that's it for the opposition analysis that we need to do, and so we can talk about Leeds now, and we've kind of mentioned how we hope that what we might see a little bit in the front line, but how do we predict Leeds will set up in possession for this game, both structurally and tactically? Do we think we'll do anything different to what we did against them? Do we think we'll be able to do anything different, um, Adam? Not massively different, I don't think. Um, I, I, I think I've kind of already touched on it, but like the main issue for me was was the ball breaking down in the final third with the players that we had against Birmingham, rather than actually getting into those areas. That wasn't hugely problematic. Um, so if we have the same sort of like pivot options and, and defensive options. I think the build up will be okay. If anything, maybe slightly better with with Joe Roden if he's in there. So yeah, I would still like us to to play our our own game unless personnel kind of requires us to be a bit more direct and if that's the case then might look at hitting down the flanks a little bit more just because of the, the directness of a couple of the wingers that we've got but with the right attacking players it, it, this will be absolutely fine for us in terms of like structurally how this could look um, it's just that it's so up in the air and like we might know a bit more by Friday but I can't really say too much about it right now because you know it, there's there's a lot of players that we're just unsure about and um, whether they're going to be here whether they're even going to be involved or whatever so um, but yeah Fark will probably play the his game if he can uh, it's just that he might he might tweak it and play like if he's noticed the set piece concerns that West Brom have he might play like a um, like a router up front or something like that just because he's a bit more of a, a taller physical lad and then you've got the likes of like um, Roden like we mentioned and Cresswell and Strauch maybe he tries to find a way to get all three of them in because they're all good in the air and stuff like that so that's maybe something he could do or he could tweak it to go like look down the sides like I said a bit more more directly with um, the fullbacks and centre backs sort of pinging it out to those sort of areas just for wingers to run on to but I, I, if if it's the same kind of players that I'm expecting, then I think we'll be all right. And I don't want to make a prediction to say, oh, we're going to win or we'll look better. But I don't think it'll look much worse than it did in the final third against Birmingham. It, it can't. Dan, any any thoughts? I, I don't really think Fark is much of a tinkerer or, a, I guess, innovator in terms of his tactics. He's got his plan. And, no. and, and, and I think even if he had all his players fit, there wouldn't be a lot of change. It's more about his personnel, isn't it? And what he can do with his personnel. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're going to see the kind of the four-two-three one we've seen now for most of the season, or the four-three-three, however you look at it, that kind of that shape with the inverting fullback and the other fullback going forward, I think that'll be a, a feature all season. So no, I don't see a massive difference tactically. Um, I mean, I think in terms of the personnel we've got that are available, it, I think the, the the kind of the first third and middle third build-ups fine, isn't it? It's pretty good. They're all pretty good mm-hmm. in that respect. Mm-hmm. I think we, you know we, we've got the best players available pretty much, and I think we'll be good in that respect. I can see us being building up play quite nicely but yeah it's that final third entry isn't it with the personnel is the problem yeah I totally agree with everything you've said there and the only one thing regarding the set pieces is I've just remembered post-match he mentioned that Greenwood would maybe get a full week of training and <laughs> I think we've, we've said before that he has set pieces set piece delivery so yeah maybe he maybe he make maybe he starts at 10 um who knows considering the players that we actually have 
I think I prefer him at 10 than Shackleton at right wing, is all I'm trying to say. Oh, struggling, but yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. Yeah. It's, a very, it's a very fine line. And we have mentioned this a little bit earlier, but do we think there'll be any changes for out of possession, potentially, uh, Adam? Um, probably not, no. Um, we're not ever going to be like a hugely like press-heavy side under Farker, are we? But um, as as was said in the uh, the opposition preview, it, it sounds like they, they can be quite aggressive when they need to be in that, that mid-block sort of thing. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to go necessarily make it a, a like gung-ho game for both teams where we're both just aggressively pressing in the middle. Uh, I think that'll just t- cause a lot of turnovers and it'll be quite messy. So I, I don't foresee that. But um, yeah, I think it'll largely be what we've already seen this season. And Dan? So, um, he, so Pete did talk about uh, the West Brom centre backs being fairly vulnerable. They've been they've been caught a couple of times this season already, in terms of when they've been pressed. So I wonder if there might be some triggers where we do press high and do go on them, but it might be a kind of a, a situational thing. So you know, high turnovers could be a weapon for us, but you know, it's not necessarily a massive feature of Fark's game. But I think we might see it a little bit in this game, perhaps in certain circumstances, and. The true is probably the same is probably true from Corbran and, and West Brom. You know they're probably praying that Cresswell pays, aren't they? So you know there's a weakness on the ball for for, for us. Someone they can probably attack, and I, I guess Corbran would know that from having coached uh, Cresswell from his time with the under twenty three. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be like a heavy metal football pre- pressing kind of battle. But yeah, I think there might be certain situations where we do see like a high press triggered or an aggressive press triggered. Yeah, and I guess again regarding how much we can press from the front will depend on the players that we have um, yeah. and who can do it so we know that James is one of his plus points yeah. so does does he start at nine uh, with a grimace <laughs> just so that he just so that he can just so that he can press those full those centre-backs in that situation I, I wouldn't just say it's the centre-backs actually as well I'd say Furlong's a bit of a weak point in that regard so you can definitely get him I think Townsend's probably their best on the ball defender but the other three probably yeah quite quite easy to press for whoever we've got out so yeah it's possible yeah I think I think O'Shea's a big miss for them isn't he in that respect sorry yeah it's something we talked about on my interview and I think he's he was the main ball progressor wasn't he last season and they've lost that yeah and apart from Sam Greenwood can we see any players having a big impact on the outcome of this game for Leeds good or bad that could be either with Sam Greenwood as well just putting out there <laughs> um uh Dan um if it's the team that pick, that, that played on Saturday just gone up at Birmingham no it's going to be a terrible game but if 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 some of the want away too or come back, then you know we've got we've got hope, haven't we? Um, so no, I'm sorry, mate. Okay. That's all I've got to say on that. So basically, everyone's having a bad game, according to Dan. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what we're going with, Adam. Uh, well, I'm just hoping like w- at least one of them, you know, is about and you know gets put back in, you know, Nonto or Sinistera or someone like that. Um, how bad is Somerville's injury? Do we know? Is it another few weeks? Because I, I doubt he's back in time. But, you know, that's another one to think about. Essentially, for me, it's going to hinge on who we have in the attacking line of, of whether I think we're going to win, draw or lose this game. I think the defence and midfield's pretty settled and we'll probably talk about this in a minute. But the, the front line is where I'm just I'm questioning things. The only thing I, w- I would add that might be a, a good thing, and we kind of touched on it earlier, was I would hope that Cody Drame is involved in some way if he's at a decent level of fitness because I think he would be a really useful right back in general this season, but definitely for this game. I think he'd be more crucial to um, how we want to play and, and kind of dealing with their, their um, transitions and counter-attacks. I think he'll be absolutely vital if, if he's available. Yeah, and I think another one which we'll want to look out for um, is whether Rute is available to start and how that affects that front line, which... 
Speaking of, we will get on to. So you've mentioned that it's pretty settled there, Adam. So what is your predicted lineup? We're talking Monday night at this point, so we don't know who's gone and who, if anyone new has come in. Yeah, like even Melier has been with Chelsea today as we speak. Who the fuck knows? Um, so Melier in goal, I, w- I will say he's likely to be there, hopefully. Um, then I- I'm going to just say, because I'm hoping for it, not because I actually expect it, I, I want Cody Drame to play right back. Then um, this is where it's tricky, actually, because I could see him playing Cresswell and Roden with Strauch at left back, but I don't know, I might be overthinking it and maybe it is just Byron because he had another fairly decent game against Birmingham so I'll say Byron plays and I'll say that Roden gets a gets a start he should start very quickly he's probably our best centre-back if he's not then it's Stroud but yeah um, and then Ampadu and Gray at the base it's just in attack I'll, I'll let Dan have a guess at the attack because I haven't got a clue right now um, because I just don't know is Ruta going to play is he going to play up front is he going to play on the right is, is Sinister or Nonto available who knows so I'll hand over to you Dan my assumption right now is that Sinister and Nonto are not available, or if they have kissed and made up, they'll be at best on the bench, just as you know, you can't just yeah. walk into the team. That's just a hunch. So yeah, I, I would, I, I think it'll be unchanged with these two exceptions. I think Rodon will come in for Cresswell because his mouth's better, probably. And I think if Rutter, yes. tr- oh, he is, yeah. If Rutter is, if Rutter's fit and, and trains okay this week, I think he'll go in for Joffe, and I think that otherwise it'll be unchanged. Now. I would like to see Joffrey getting given a game at 10 because something needs to happen for the kid. He's not, you know, this is a game where we might have a lot of ball and they may be packed uh, and, and sat deep. Then that's 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 Joffrey's upside, isn't it? You know, yeah, going at, yeah. And it's the only way, it's the only upside for Joffrey, isn't it? Otherwise, it's a waste, waste of a play, really, at the moment. Uh, the way it's going. So get him at 10, off another forward, it might work, but yeah, we're, lim- we're limited, aren't we, at the moment? So I presume um, Pervader and, and, and James will keep the wing spots. I hope it's not Shackleton. Please put Shackleton. I mean, if you're going to pick Shackleton, pick him at eight and just let him be in box to box. His engine, you know, he's good at that kind of stuff. Just play him where he's using him in that respect. Well, move Gray further forward. Yeah, well, just make them a three, really. Yeah, or, yeah, move Gray further forward or just, just play them as a, as a three, really, more of a three than a four, two, three, one. Mm. Just, you know, either side of Ampadu. Yeah, I think I've put on Twitter what I'd like to see. I think me and you were discussing it, Dan, actually, in a, in a Twitter thread, which was, um, or X, however you want to call it now. Um, <laughs> And that would be that Gelhart at 10 with uh, Pervader on the right and yeah. Rutter up front would be my preferred. Um, I, I mentioned in the preview pod that I felt Gelhart took up a lot of positions that were just very second striker positions. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we didn't have, and we didn't have any, we didn't have a nine. So he, there was one where um, James had overhit the cross or it looks like he overhits the cross, but he's probably having the only person he had to pick out was Gelhart at the back post, which. Gelhart's not the biggest person, so really what Gelhart's doing is he's taking up a position where he's going to feed off the scraps from a forward being on the front post. And so, yeah, I want to see him at that 10, which is probably that second striker yeah. role um, in this. And yeah, I, I want to give him a chance as well in, in that position. My prediction now is that I think he will, if he does play there, he'll win a penalty for us. Semi Ajayi just clumsily trips him when he runs into the box. He's running at him with the ball. Yeah. He's good at that. So yeah, I agree yeah, with both of you. It would be very, that. very nice yeah. to see him there. This is this is the this is the Joffy upside, isn't it? He's not a nine. He could potentially play him off the side, couldn't you? As you know, as a as a kind of wide forward arriving mm-hmm. potentially. But really, it's, it's as a ten, isn't it? It's, it's the kind of second striker ten rather than the the swift, who's a more of a midfielder type ten. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's the only way it's going to work. But this might be the sort of game where it would work, where we do probably have a lot of ball and we don't necessarily need 
too much midfield, you know, ball winning from, from that that player. Perhaps I don't know. But no, yeah, I agree. He could commit players and and do that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think then we've got you've got three players in behind who should be able to do that. Pervada does that quite well. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Joffy does, and and James. If he if he's confident, he can do it. I think it's just that I don't think he's confident to beat players at the moment. No. Um. But I guess we've kind of gone over this. But let's just dig into it a bit more. What do we expect watching this game of football to look like? Uh, Adam? I think we will have the majority of the ball in sort of deep midfield areas and we'll be quite patient and look for for good options in the final third that are making and darting runs in and out. If it's Ruter, that, that could look really good for us. It might actually work with him and Joffe. Um And then if West Brom do manage to attack, it's likely to be in transition at, at high speed, very quickly, very directly down the sides and, and with midfield runners bombing into the box to arrive late. That's probably what it'll look like for both teams in an attacking sense. I can imagine they're going to be quite sort of mid to low block and just sort of try and stifle us and they've got quite a lot of midfielders to stodge it up. So yeah, I don't think it'll be too different from from what we've kind of talked about and what we were imagining. And Dan? Yeah, I kind of worry it's going to be a really stodgy game. Um, Corbin will have to make it stodgy, I would think. I think Mm -hmm. like his deep block, his, his, his low block, it's particularly well coached. He's good at that. You know, he gets his spacing right, doesn't he, between his defenders. They know the roles. Midfielders fill gaps really well. So that's something they're good at. So I fear for Leeds if we go a goal down. Um, I fear for the game. So I just I just really hope, you know, obviously, there's a Leeds fan. I want us to score and, and, and have some space to then play into, you know, because West Brom have to come out, obviously. But just, 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 just from a spectacle perspective, it'll be horrible if they go one up because I just think it kills the game. Yeah. And I fear that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And so, Dan, we'll stick with you. Where do you think this game will be won or lost? I think it's, uh, it's, it's there's a good chance one moment of quality wins this game either way. Um, and like we've, we've both talked about set pieces, you know, West Brom have a vulnerability from set pieces that also have an advantage attacking set pieces. So wouldn't be shocked if there's a set piece either way from a corner or, you know, a free kick. Uh, wins it 1-0. Um, you know, perhaps a moment from a, Joffy or a moment from a Swift, one of these kind of you know players that do have a little bit of game changing ability. But mm-hmm. I think it's there's going to be the the likes of Swift and the likes of you know our, our wingers going to be heavily marked, aren't they? So it's going to be tough for them. Yeah. Any anything different, Adam? I just I hate playing against Jed Wallace, and I, he scares me. And and last time I watched him play at Ellen Road, he got two goals. We did win that game. We won three yeah. two. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, he's a good player, and and it, it, you talked about moments players there, Dan. He's another one of them for them, and I just that's my worry. I don't know if we have as many on the day. I think they might have like at least three of them, and we might only have like one or two, and and that's maybe where I'm a little bit concerned because if it is stodgy, you need that that one or two moments of magic in a game, and I don't know how many of our players have have got that. I'm I'm really hoping Joffy does play and plays in the ten and kind of gets one of those games where he gets a bit of confidence back because he you know maybe like. He wins a penalty or he scores a goal on the edge of the box, something like that. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say, and I'm just kind of more hoping than anything. I'm so happy we've got a system manager and we're going to win games on vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, says so more about Colburn, I think, and how yeah, he sets yeah, up probably. for sure. Yeah, and on on Jed Wallace, he's a player that I've wanted us to sign since his uh, since his Portsmouth days. Yeah, um, yeah, I've I've always enjoyed him. I'm surprised that he's never had managed to get a, a chance in the Premier League. I guess that was what his move to West Brom was for, um, to come up with them. But it they hasn't still might. quite worked out that way. Yeah, they, they still might. It's very true. 
I think it's, it, I suppose one good thing is he's, he plays on the right, doesn't he? And we're probably defensively a little stronger on that side generally. Um, you know, the, the big gaps have been on the right, our right hand side, haven't they? So, you know, Phillips is probably the lesser of of the two evils from a Leeds perspective. <laughs> um, it's still good and it could still hurt us, but I think, you know, if, if, if Wallace was a left-handed player, I'd be, I'd be particularly worried. So that's... Yeah, he's uh, he is left-footed though, isn't he? I think he, he's right-footed and he plays on his orthodox side. I think he's an orthodox right winger with a right foot. I think, I'm, I'm going to check. I think he is. I think he is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just thinking about the, um, the time when... Yeah, he's right-footed. Just check. Uh, yeah. s- some, someone put, in the under twenty ones, they put Charlie Allen at left wing back because he was a right footer to defend against the uh, left footed right winger, and I just thought maybe Byron would help in that in that situation. Therefore, but I was wrong. He's right footed. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I've just talked a load of rubbish. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's think, this whole uh, podcast. Think... To be fair, mate, that is, that is what it is. <laughs> this is what you get when I'm hosting. Um, but I think that's I think that's us for the preview for the game on Friday. So yep. If you're listening to this for the first time on Thursday, because it's just hit your usual podcast feed, you can get it earlier by subscribing to the Patreon. Uh, Martin also has an article on Joe Roden to come out, which you can get if you subscribe to the top two tiers, I believe. Yeah. Which are Click and um, and Pablo. Yeah. The better tier just gets you this pod for free. Uh, Ad-free. Doesn't get you for free. Um <laughs> so we'll be back next week with a review of this game and a preview of the Ipswich Town game I want to say thank you to Adam you're welcome mate this is our first pod together we've known each other so long now and I'm delighted we've done this yeah it's it's taken us a long time for this first pod and I want to say thank you to Da um, I mean Dan (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah cheers cheers Tom it's been a pleasure I'd like to thank Pete for being a professional, a professional guest. Thanks, Pete, yes. for listening. Uh, Pete was brilliant. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I was, I was about to say, I want to say thank you to Pete, who you can find at, I believe, did he say WBA Analytics? Yes, he Is did. Is his Twitter That's handle? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can find him there and all his stuff and enjoy the game on Friday night underneath the lights and, hope, as I say, hopefully we will be back to review a win and have a good weekend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.